podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. We are live today from Jerry World AT&T Stadium in Arlington. It is myself, Philip Slavin, your usual host. And joining me today, Christine Butterfield. Very excited to have you here with us, kind of co-hosting the podcast, helping us out here in Arlington. Christine, welcome back to the show. Oh, it's so great to be here. Here in Dallas, here seeing you in person for the first time officially, and here in the 2012, of course, it's always just a blast to be here. That's one of the fun things about this, like talking to the coaches is cool, talking to the players is neat, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, uh, but getting to see some of the people that like I talk to on this podcast on a regular basis, I tweet with or I text with, and have built these kind of like not in-person like relationships with because of this podcast, and the opportunity to actually face-to-face, have a conversation, shake hands, say hi, has, is just, that is the thing, to quote everybody else, it's really, it's really nice to be here today. It's really, it's just really nice to get back to it. It's really great. You know, Gary Patterson said it best. He just walked up on that podium. He said, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> and that's how I've been feeling. I think that's how everyone's been feeling because everything's finally getting back to in person. You know, we got to talk to them in person. We got to see them in person. You get to have a relationship with the coaches and players again, which is something that a lot of people missed over Zoom. A lot of things people missed from podcasting, just over Zoom, it's just not the same. So to be able to have that environment back, I think everyone just feels re-energized by it. Yeah, and and, and look, it's nice to be here. It wasn't perfect. Um, So usually the way it works is when you have the breakout sessions, they will line up the coach and the players in a row and just just all down one side of the stadium. And basically they're there for an hour and a half and you can just walk around and talk to whoever you want to. And you got plenty of time to talk to everybody. Um, and one of the fun things is the opportunity where typically there will be a, a player or two at various points who just has no one there. And you can just stand and have a 10 minute conversation with. Um, that, was, that was the case two years ago. This year, only bring two players um, to, to deal with kind of COVID 
separation. Uh, you've got it. It was a little bit more of a press conference style where they had chairs kind of spread out. You had to try and jump in and get your question. You didn't get the kind of stand there next to them and have that conversation, which which kind of stunk. Um, it, look, I love everybody here. It's great, but. It is tough when you're battling people from major publications who have access to these people and players and stuff all the time in your little 10 to 12 podcast. And I don't mean to gripe about it, but it's like, okay, I, can I can I ask my question without having to cut off four times? Anyways, okay, that's that's my griping out of the way. Look, this has been a lot of fun. It's just day one. Of course, we'll be doing this again tomorrow too. Um, Christine. Yes, fellow. Where do we want to start here? Should we, we, we did an Instagram live. Um, if you haven't checked that out, make sure and follow us on Instagram at 1012pod. But let's start with Bowlesby. Bowlesby kicked things off as he always does, beginning of day one. I, what were your biggest takeaways from, from some of the things that he had to say today? I talked a little, little bit about it on our Instagram live today, but just hearing how serious he is about continuing a lot of the COVID protocols because of the Delta variant. You made a joke on Twitter that was, you know, take a drink every time he mentions it. And... I, I wish I could have because it was a lot, but, you know, he is really serious about implementing those protocols still if players haven't gotten the vaccine. And he said, obviously, as the Big 12, they can't mandate the players or the coaches to get vaccinated, but they will do everything they can to strongly encourage. So they will be doing that moving forward. But he had a ton to say about the success of the Big 12. He even kind of singled out OU softball for all of their success this season. So that was really great to kind of hear him say that, you know, a lot of people focus on football, especially today at Big 12 Media Day, you do want to focus on football. But for him to kind of be able to round that out, I think was a really good sentiment to what he's been able to keep up with. And then moving forward, he uh, talked about one of the big marquee games again with Oklahoma, Nebraska in the non-conference and kind of just said, well, (laughs) everyone signed their TV contract. So OU fans, you might want to, Take a step back. Remember that it's just a non-conference game and when you're going to win, probably. So try not to freak out about that. But, you know, he was as poised as ever, and he was really good at obviously kind of maintaining coach speak just under the umbrella of the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, on the Nebraska step, look, again, I get it. We've got to stop acting like it's a game that matters nationally just because it's two teams that used to play and it's the celebration of the 50th anniversary of blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm, I'm just going to be blunt about this, guys. Nebraska doesn't matter nationally, so <laughs> whatever. And again, Bowlesby's not wrong. Like, you guys, when, when you sign a deal with the devil, and in this case the devil is TV in this case, you're going to have to occasionally do some things you don't want to because that's the deal you made, and that's – I understand Oklahoma and the argument that Oklahoma is the premier team in the conference. You can go and come and come at me. That's fine. Whatever you want to do, uh, whatever. But when they're the best team, they win it every year. They are the premier team. You you do debate whether or not they should get some special treatment. But I, I think it's kind of out of the Big 12's hands with the contract they signed that the, the, the networks are going to come and say, this is the deal. Um, the other thing that, that he mentioned and I, was really interesting to me, and, and I mentioned on this on the live as well, because... I'm always big on when people say this, the, the quiet things out loud or those things that we all, you know, people say and fans don't want to hear, right? I don't want to hear of that. That's not, that's not, no, it is. Um, the idea of a level playing field across college football is a mirage. It's a myth. It's not real. It is an uneven playing field. There are teams that are going to have built-in uh, advantages based off of income, student, spot, student body size, alumni size, uh, geography, I'm talking recruiting all the time about what what's in your your basically 30 mile radius like that that matters it's why some schools are always going to have built-in advantages that others don't um 
we didn't really get to talk with the coaches about that again. It was really hard to get a lot of questions in. So if you got one, you got one. Um, but him saying that, I mean, folks, that's the reality. And and that's that's the case. We can talk about an uneven playing field in the Big 12 where which teams have the advantages and which don't. I mean, I think that goes to the the, the, the job rankings podcast we did with Braden Gall back earlier in the spring where we ranked the jobs. And I think that is your situation. If you want to know built-in advantages, that's part of it, you know. What are, the, what are the best jobs? What are the jobs where it should be the easiest or most convenient to win, to recruit, and to not have all the other nonsense that you have to deal with like in Texas? So I think I like that he said that. I think it matters. It, Delta variant was the term of the day when it comes to that stuff. Um, yeah. I, I, I like Bowlesby. He's not the most, like, exciting guy. Uh, also, Is the commissioner ever supposed to be the most exciting guy, though? No, no. I, don't, I need you to, to be impactful but not necessarily exciting. Right, uh, not unlikable, but but not not exciting. The other thing that he talked about, and I want I wanted to touch on real quick, was the playoff expansion. I was going to um, get into that, yeah. So I, he was on the the group of of, uh, of commissioners and individuals who were part of deciding upon the twelve team proposal, which I am for. By the way, I am for the twelve teams. I'm just going to say it. I think it's the right way to go because it adds more teams. And I, if you only care about crowning a national champion, guess what? You're probably still going to crown a national champion. It's still probably going to be one of the teams that would have won it in a four-team situation or an eight-team situation. So let's just move past that part. Um, we talked about the, the, the impact and what that could be uh, as, as being a net benefit for the Big 12. And, you know, he said, I think moving forward, we haven't had a year in the Big 12 in the playoff era where our champion didn't finish in a position where it was one of the top six rated champions in college football in the poll. That's good. That that's based off if the proposed policy goes into place, top six ranked conference champs get an automatic berth into the playoff. Granted, it's been Oklahoma every year, but the Big Twelve is good enough that look at the teams that finished second. If you look at what Baylor was ranked, look what Iowa State was ranked, look at where Texas ranked. They're all probably still going to get in. Whoever wins the Big Twelve is going to automatically get in. And you know we we've. There's a pretty good chance for the Big 12 to get two on a regular basis. I mean, look at where the teams are ranked in the Big 12. The top of the Big 12 is good. If somebody else were to beat Oklahoma, you know two teams are getting in. If Oklahoma beats, let's say it was this year. Folks, if if it goes the way everyone thinks it is, and it's Oklahoma-Iowa State, and Oklahoma beats Iowa State, and Iowa State finishes, I don't know, 10-2, and two, guys, there's, or, or I guess in this case, 11-2 uh, or 10-3, and three, I think they're still going to get in. So for the Big 12, this is what I've been saying, this is a good thing. It's a good thing for the conference of the Big 12 to kind of get rid of the narrative that is becoming more subsided, which is that the Big 12 doesn't have a good defense. And I mean, Skylar Thompson talked about it a lot today when he was on the podium for Kansas State, that he was saying that he thinks that that's been going away. So so did Nick Medito. And adding more teams to the playoff expansion is just only going to help that narrative go away because you're going to be able to see those teams in the Big 12 compete more in the non-conference or the postseason against teams from the SEC or against the Big 10 where defense is one of their biggest strengths in those conferences. And then seeing the Big 12 be able to compete against those and see that they're actually comparable instead of just being super lopsided in past years that we've noticed. But moving forward, when you have a 12-team expansion, that's only going to provide teams like Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma, if they, you know, win or they lose the Big 12 championship one year. Teams like that, the ability to showcase what other people don't see on a regular basis that don't 
choose to watch college or choose to watch Big 12 football, and that's only going to help them in the long run. So I think this is a great thing for the Big 12, and it's going to be able to have them, like you said, Philip, have more than one team consistently in the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, Neil Brown on the defense point, same thing. And, and he said what we all believe, that it's kind of an overstated thing, and it has been for a while, that the, that the Big 12 didn't play defense or wasn't good at defense. And that narrative is starting to change, and I believe it is. Now, the question is, does the narrative go the direction I've heard some people say, which is, well, now the offenses are down because you can't just give the Big 12 credit for anything. It's always got to be a negative. But I do think the narrative is changing, and that is good for Big 12 defenses, and, and this does offer an opportunity. Um, he did talk about NIL. I mean, let's be honest. The, the biggest stories of the day, NIL and COVID. And what was last year like? And what are we seeing with the Delta variant? And what is NIL, which, you know, NIL policies went into place on on July 1. Um, I I loved his quote of there was a general misconception that the sky was going to fall and we were going to be in an Armageddon scenario. Um, And schools are managing it, pressing ahead. No lives were lost, which is very accurate. We we like to overblow situations like this is going to be the end of of what? The end of what? The end. Oh, God, some 18 year olds made some money. I. The end of perfect. students being innocent or the end of an uneven playing field, you know, like. <laughs> this is going to help the best schools recruit better. They're already, like, you, you no, it's there's, always, there's <laughs> not going to be more five stars for them to take. They're the same, like, 15 every year. The same year. amount. And NIL was a topic everyone's asking everybody about. Like, And I think, and every coach gave similar but different answers, mm-hmm. right? Um, Neil Brown's point very much was, like, it's not perfect. We're still working through it. Um it's, it is a complicated issue, um, but it's, it's, it's going okay. You know, we, we heard uh, Brees Hall was mentioning how he has like three different NIL deals. He's got the Cameo one. He's got one with, um, I think, Cyclone Fanatics t-shirts, and he's got uh, the one as a mouth guard. And I'm, look, it's not perfect. It was never going to be perfect on July 1. It's worse than it could have been. It should have been because of the NCAA, but the sky is still up. Everyone's okay. There's going to be some players who make some dumb mistakes. There's going to be some players who get some bad advice. That exists already. And, 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 I, and I, I hate it for those players. But this is one of those situations where we try and find the individual bads, the, un, the, the small bads, to, out, to outweigh and out-argue the larger positives. And it's so annoying. It's, it, where, folks, one example does not change the overall thing. There's always going to be individual examples of bad things and something that's overly all positive, and there's always going to be small positive examples of things that might be overly all bad. One example does not does not make the trend. So, I, like, I think the general consensus was, it's not perfect. We're working through things. It is a challenge, but everyone's okay, and it's the right thing to do. I, every coach, like they were a politician ple- repeating a line, said, I am for NIL. I am for players making money. It was on so N- funny to me because you could tell that they got coached on how to speak about the NIL because every single coach before they answered the NIL question said, basically, before I say or before I answer this question, let me just be clear and say that I am for the NIL. I support these students. And I was just like, wow, someone must have really come in and been like, here's what here's what you're required to say before you answer any questions about NIL. But, you know, Chris Kleiman, we talked about this. He said basically what other coaches should be doing with NIL, which is making a sales pitch as to why student athletes and why people should take Manhattan seriously as a place for NIL success. 
and he basically gives his sales pitch as to why Manhattan would be a great fit for its students and people looking to benefit and profit off of these students. And then he even went on to it in his little, you know, breakout session, and he said that, you know, someone asked him, like, how have you seen these uh, NIL deals affect the locker room? If, is it still too early? And it was funny because he just said, you know, it's not a day-to-day thing. You know, players don't have to come up and ask me if they can take a deal. They don't have to confirm with me. They don't even have to tell me they're doing it. They go to compliance. So I don't know what deals they have. I'm just happy that they can do it. And so I thought that was, you know, a very calm way to say, like, I don't really want to talk about it. And he even said the media is kind of blowing it up. And obviously that's the big storyline that's been going on lately. So, of course, it's going to be a topic of discussion. But, you know, he wants to focus on his players. He wants to focus on football. And I think that was a great way to get that done. Yeah, Coach Patterson kind of emphasized again, mentioned that, like, we're staying out of it. The university is staying out of it, which is, is the right thing to do. Um, yeah, Kleiman calling Manhattan a gold mine, a home run. Those are, the, those are the two terms he used in reference to why Manhattan is a great place for players at NIL. Uh, Neil Brown kind of mentioned that. He said it can, it can be a positive for West, West Virginia um, because there's not another Power 5 university. There's no professional teams. You know, there, there's, They don't have to share as much of the spotlight in the state of West Virginia. Yes, there's some, some G5 schools. There's Marshall there, but it's the only P5. You know, It's kind of like any, any state where you have a single P5 school and there's no other P5 competition. And obviously, P5 versus G5, part of the NIL stuff is it kind of levels that playing field a little bit because if you're a stud at a G5 school, you're going to get opportunities to make money off of NIL just like you are as a, a stud at a P5 and and again we always we talk about this all the time it's all the way down to that that offensive line that offensive guard who's everyone back in his hometown of no, middle of nowhere Wyoming loves and he's going to be able to go back there and make a bunch of money because or at least make money because he's popular there. but you know in West Virginia there's not a lot of competition. Kansas State, and you're in Manhattan, people know who you are. I would put it to any state where Texas is obviously unique, but like Arkansas has a similar situation, right? Uh, there's only one. There's only one school there, so it's a unique spot. It's the right thing to say. And, and again, coaches have got to get to the point where you're, you're selling NIL. And and what I mean by that is selling how players can use it. Now, I know that Coach Patterson did mention that there was a recruit who, if you mentioned NIL to him, he didn't want to hear it. Coach Patterson's other big point was like, if you do it on the field, the rest of that's going to come. If you focus on what's what you're doing on the field, the rest of that's going to come. I have a sneaky suspicion that we'll hear something similar from Gundy tomorrow. It's two or like two peas in a pod. Don't tell Parker I said that he'll get real mad at me and say, no, they're not. Bah, 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 bah. Anyways. Instead of yemming him right now. Yes, do it. It'll be great. He'll, he's, I think he's staying off social, which is good for him. So NIL, COVID, obviously those are big issues. You know, we watch around and listen to some of the players, listen to some of the coaches uh, in the breakout sessions. What were some of your big takeaways from that? Skylar Thompson is so confident. You know, he was the uh, one of the offensive players I listened to today and, and saw a lot from him, and he seems very 
aware of where Kansas State is being ranked. And even though he said that he believes that the ranking is about relevant, I think that all the players feel like they're underrated. I feel like they don't believe that they're in the proper placement in the poll. And I think they're going to use that to their advantage this season. You know, when you have such a strong running core with Deuce Vaughn and a lot of the running backs coming back, you have a whole starting five offensive line that's coming back that can protect Skylar Thompson, that can protect Deuce Vaughn to let him get through those gaps quicker. I think you're going to see a very explosive explosive offense from Kansas State. So seeing his confidence and how he feels like he can still be a leader of this team um, is really big. And he even talked about how last season whenever he became injured, Chris Kleiman made sure that he was still a part of every practice. He still went all to the game, all to all of the games. He still stayed so focused with this team, and I think that helped him overall stay focused as a leader because he could have easily checked out after you know becoming injured in the middle of the season. But he stayed focused with them, and I think that only helped him take a bigger step forward and becoming a leader during this season and with the rest of the offense. Defensively, I heard um, a little bit of what Nick Medito was saying. Um, Obviously, he plays for Oklahoma, and he feels like the defense is really starting to take those strides to get more national attention, and he thinks that they're going to be a national caliber defense. And he even said that Alex Grinchino doesn't think that they've reached their full potential. He's always pushing them to be better, to never be satisfied with everything they've accomplished, and they still have a a long way to go. But seeing that the quotes still have a long way to go and where they're at right now, I think is going to project them to, you know, get to that big 12 championship and then to get to that uh, national championship game and possibly win. So it's looking like it's going to be one of the most balanced Oklahoma teams we've seen so far, and hopefully they can pull it off somehow. Uh, Speaking of uh, Kansas State for a second, obviously somebody this morning had asked, had asked Coach Kleiman about being 2-0 and against Oklahoma and how they go into preparation <laughs> yeah. for that game. And he, you know, we we don't look at the name on the jersey, blah, 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 Coach Peak, yada, yada, yada. And yada, what's yada. funny is Skylar Thompson said almost verbatim the same thing at first. Seriously, he said, you know, we don't look at the name on the chest. And I was like, okay. So oh, yeah. he told you exactly what to say. Coach Well, then I asked, I talked to, you know, to Jaden McPherson about that. And his point was like, no, we don't, you know, we don't do that. But... And here is his point I think you can take away from this. Of If you want to come up from the angle of they don't, his point was that, but there is something about having your back against the wall and being doubted that gives you an extra spark when you go into that game. And I think that's something to, okay, we hear the coach speak all the time, we don't pay attention to the name on the jersey, sure, you don't, whatever, I don't believe it, We none of us believe it, that's fine, say what you need to say. But I do think it plays into the idea of like you're going up against Oklahoma, and I think if you take away the name and just focus on you're going up against a, the team, whoever they are, who's won six straight Big 12 titles, is always highly ranked, who you're doubted on. And this year, nobody's going to pick Kansas State because there's no way Kansas State's going to beat Oklahoma three years in a row. We all thought that last year. There was no way Kansas State's going to beat Oklahoma three years in a row. And so his point was, our back's against the wall. Everybody's doubting us. We use that as some extra motivation. And I, and I think that lots of players say those kinds of things, but I... But Kansas State has been able to use that and actually prove that that works for them because they've so far been able to be 2-0 against Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma with Chris Kleiman at the, at the helm. Another thing that I thought was really interesting, and I'm going to write about this for, for Land Grant Gauntlet, um, there was a lot of talk about, about Jared Dagey and the offense for West Virginia. And there was a question this morning, and, and, and Neil Brown mentioned, you know, things you need to work on are pocket awareness and pocket movement and accuracy on the deep ball. 
you know, we missed too many people downfield. We've got to be more explosive. He mentioned drops by, by wide receivers, a lot of drop passes. Um, but he did expound upon that a bit in the breakout. And look, somebody asked, how do you, how do you fix an inability to throw a deep ball? Repetition, 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 repetition. How do you fix? Apparently, and I didn't know this. Apparently, West Virginia has a machine, and I gotta look into this thing. This is pretty neat. That basically will throw deep passes for you. That that is like a a, a robot quarterback, so that your wide receivers can get more reps practicing catching the deep ball, because they do have some drops. And if you have a quarterback that is inaccurate. There's only so many reps he can have in practice, and if he can only connect on a few of those, how many real opportunities do your wide receivers get to actually practice catching the deep ball? Now, that's not what he said, but let's just be honest here. Deyi is very good at what he can do. He's very bad at what he can't. And I think that's the big thing for West Virginia for me this year is the defense, I think, is going to take a slight step back. They lost too much. But the story for West Virginia, a lot of, this, a lot of today was – Jarrett Daigie. Without anyone being mean, without anybody saying anything negative about Daigie, it is a conversation of this offense for West Virginia has to be more explosive. They were not explosive, especially in the passing game. Can they be? That's what they've been working on. It's something I'm keeping a very close eye on when they start the season coming up in September. Because they've got a they're one of only four teams with 11 Power 5 games on the schedule. That's what, uh, that's what Neil Brown says. And I mean, it's a challenging non-conference. It's challenging the schedule. Their, their ceiling is going to be limited by can, can Daigie, let's say Seth, Jarrett, uh, by Daigie and whether or not he can throw a deep pass and connect, to a wide, connect with a wide receiver on it. I mean, I think it says a lot that they need to have some kind of a machine in their practice to be able to give their wide receivers the good amount of reps that they need. I mean, if you think about it, though, your quarterback can only throw so many times. You've got multiple wide receivers. What about wide your receiver. quarterback? You, I don't know anything about the backup quarterbacks. So, I understand. There I understand. it is. You know what I mean? you've got multiple wide receivers. I'm, I'm, I'm saying there's backup I'm not, quarterbacks I'm not, for I'm not. I'm just going to say, hey, they've got a cool robot that throws deep passes for them. I would like a robot that does things for me that I am incapable Might of Might as well doing. put that robot in his quarterback then. If the robot's throwing deep passes better than your own quarterback. Does it have a, does does it good, have a good pocket presence? Can he sense when the, when the defensive line is breaking through? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Mm-hmm. I mean, all jokes aside, I truly think that that's going to be a concern if you have to match that quarterback with being able to throw those deep passes. Can he be accurate in those situations? And if he is accurate, will the wide receivers have enough practice with a live quarterback throwing those passes to be able to catch them after what we saw from them last season? So both of those questions are still up in the air for me, and I don't think that Neil Brown really answered those today. You know who always connects on the deep pass? Home field apparel. Home field apparel who makes the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere. Yeah, I'm getting better at these transitions sometimes. But I'm, sh- I'm so proud of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, of course, Home Field Apparel, uh, an official sponsor here of the 1012 Podcast. We love them, and not just because they pay us to say that, but because honestly, we love Home Field Apparel. They do amazing work making college sports apparel. If you are a fan of Texas... Texas Tech, Baylor, Iowa State, or Oklahoma State, they have gear for you if you haven't seen it yet. What are you doing? Maybe you're just new to the podcast. Maybe that's the problem. You've just never listened to us, and you don't get on Twitter, and you don't know what Humfield Apparel is because you live in a hole. You've been in a, some sort of a sleep for a long period of time. There's always a possibility. Um, go to homefieldapparel.com. Beauty rest, you know? Lots of it. Lots of it. Homefieldapparel.com. 
Go check out what they have there. Big new Saturday season two going on right now. They added Texas. There's one more Big 12 school coming. I can't tell you who it is, but I would love to. When you go, make sure and use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, and save 20% off your first order. All orders of $70 or more get free shipping. Guys, I've got home field apparel with me. I brought my Iowa State shirt, because why not? Not wearing it here. That would be inappropriate. I was about to say. Inappropes. Totes inappropes. But I'm going to rock it around Dallas while I'm here uh, the rest of the week and hanging out doing some family stuff. So homefieldapparel.com, promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, 20% off your first order. Good job. I can transition in. Transitioning out. Yeah, I was like, wow, okay, so where do we go from here? That's Um, the big question. A couple of random things that I thought was really funny. You know, Gary Patterson is good for a quote. If there's any coach left in the Big 12, besides maybe Mike Gundy, Gary Patterson is good for a quote. I gotta say, he's always just the happiest guy at Media Day. He's always just happy to be here. And that's kind of my claim to fame. I always say that. I'm just like, I'm just happy to be here. You know what I mean? And so I feel like I could just relate to Gary Patterson when he strolled out in his fit today. Oh, good looking. Looking dapper with the purple jacket. Purple jacket. Purple, purple pattern flower tie, tie. Purple socks. Purple socks. Ugh. I mean, he just really thought about today. And he's like, I'm going to look the best out of everyone here. That if man you are clowning him. That man came prepared. If you are clowning him, I disown you. Max Duggan was wearing loafers, and not just loafers, suede loafers. I don't have anything else to say, but said, bravo, sir. Bravo for that. I mean, um, everyone was in their best duds. I mean, who's it? Jeremiah Hall. He was in Jordans today. There you go. Rocking the Jays. You got you to gotta, you gotta wear gotta the brand. Got to show out. Got to wear the brand. Got to show out. Uh, but, but, uh, but Patterson did. Somebody had asked him about recruiting, and, and he had a very Patterson-esque quote. You know, Recruiting last year was, was kind of like if you met your wife on Zoom and you dated your wife on Zoom, and you only engage, uh, proposed your wife on Zoom, and then you got married on Zoom, and then you had to go live together. <laughs> that was recruiting last year. You know, all of a sudden you got to share a bathroom with someone you've never actually been in the same room with. It's a very weird experience. And it's a very great Gary Patterson, you know, quote. But he's also very right with recruiting. It's been crazy. Um, Oh, what was the other one he had? Good grief. Now I can't remember. He's just, he was just throwing him out. Oh, he had some quote about when well, he had a conversation with Brad Paisley, which was just, let, me just, let him just name drop Brad Paisley. Uh, so so good to just be a good name drop, honestly. I mean, why not? Why not? Uh, Christine, do you have any other thoughts from today, from day one? I'm mainly just excited for tomorrow. There's a lot of things up in the air with a lot of quarterback battles um, that we can discuss. Today, it was a lot of teams where we knew where they were placed. They were placed appropriately besides one I firmly believe but uh <laughs> but I mean like I think it was interesting how Iowa State and uh Oklahoma are having a little bit of a kind of like a power struggle if you will I mean Lincoln Riley got up on the podium and his first thing was that he said was glad to be back in our second home and that was you know he's not wrong I, I was about to say slight flex <laughs> and he's not and you can't tell him that he's wrong and if you and if you get annoyed by that then be them in this place this season. He backs it up every year when they get here. I mean, it is their home away from home. Plus, they were here for the bowl game last year. So, yeah. I mean, they're here a lot. They're here a lot. They're here a lot. I mean, Kyler Murray calls it his second home sometimes now that he's in the NFL. And CeeDee Lamb, a former Oklahoma player, is now here. So, I'm sure that they feel very connected to this place. But nothing from today really surprised me. Yeah. Um, I did like some of Lincoln Riley's quotes on, uh, on the playoff expansion. You know, he said, I believe the let me get this make sure I get this right. Um, <laughs> I think the expansion that's been proposed is a great start. 
which is not a giant vote of confidence, especially in the way they said it. Now, he is happy about uh, conference champs getting an automatic berth, especially when you're Oklahoma and you win the conference every year. That means you're automatically going to the playoff and not having to sweat out whether you're going to get in over Ohio State or not for the fourth seed. So they're feeling pretty good about that. Uh, maintaining the bowls, he said, is important. He also mentioned the G5. Good. Thank you, Lincoln. That's, that's very nice of you. Very, very generous. Um, he's concerned, obviously, about the, about the schedule. He's, you know, how many games do you actually want these guys to have to play? Uh, he said there's there's work to be done and questions to be answered. He didn't elaborate much more on those. But it's a great proposal, and he's, he thinks it's a good first step. I, I would love to put – here's the deal. Lincoln Riley we're not going to talk much about because he just doesn't give great quotes. He just doesn't say a whole lot. In there, you can, you can feel like he's holding an awful lot back. There was one question in particular that he was asked today where um, they bas- he basically was asked if um, – how he feels about his players basically knowing they run the Big 12. And I know that he wanted to say that they do, but he had to hold it back and say some kind of coach's speech about how every every game's a grind and all that stuff. But you know for a hot second he really just wanted to leap on that, and then he, he kind of held it back. The, uh, the, correct, the, the correct question was, do you want your players to think that y'all just own this conference? Uh, <laughs> His response is, we could go a lot of ways with that one. I don't know about the statement. I mean, each year it's its own year, and I know we all want to write and talk about, and then with the front of us being so, la, 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 la. And the point was, he he really wanted to be like, yeah. I mean, I said, we're back here in our second home. What else do you want me to say? Right, like, it's kind of obvious that we get to the Big 12 championship game for, what, five, six years in a row? You know, people don't people don't like it when you're Brutally too confident that they believe you arrogant. Yeah, but there is a benefit to the confidence of knowing like we're supposed to be here. This is this is our goal, um, and it's weird to have you know. There's different mindsets, and at every team, different teams in every sport, it's national championship or bust, right? And your season is judged on that. And I think that's hard for some programs and some fan bases to grasp when you would just like to get to six wins. And it just feels so arrogant to not just be happy that you've won. And look, I think sometimes teams should just be happy with a level of success that they've achieved because it's probably the best they're going to do, but I also understand wanting more. If you're OU, they do kind of run the conference. And now that plays the whole 11 a.m. kickoff problem, but... Yikes. I mean, like, they just the way they spoke today, you could tell there was a difference. Like, for instance, Kansas State, Scarlett Thompson said, you know, our, our goal is getting to the Big 12 title game. But for Oklahoma, that's their expectation. So it's just, you know, two different cultures there. And Kansas State is one of those teams where they're building up to that culture. Oklahoma just has that tradition where they're already there. And you can't really fault Lincoln for having that confidence when for the past few years they have been getting to this title game consistently and winning it consistently. This is why I think if we get an OU-Iowa State rematch, it will be in the championship this year. And I say rematch as... And sorry, in the national championship, in the Big 12 title game this year, it being the first time we've seen the same two teams in back-to-back seasons, it will be a really interesting game because there is something to act like you've been there before. And what that, what I mean by that is not like, you know, hold yourself to accountability. It's a confidence knowing like we win this. We know how to win this. We've done it before. We can, we are going to win this today. As opposed to going and like, we can do this. This is a great opportunity, and we are looking forward to it. There is a difference in mindset that's not necessarily arrogance, but confidence in saying, we know how to do this because we have and we're going to. And I think that's what's kind of difficult for other teams in the Big 12 if Oklahoma gets to this place consistently. It always kind of seems like a roundabout who is the team this year that's going to be playing Oklahoma. 
and it's never the consistent, okay, we came here last year, we were here, here's where the stakes we made, we can, we will do it this year. Yep. Instead of, we got here, we can do it. And so if Iowa State gets to the position where it's Oklahoma and them in the title game, they would be in that scenario like, we were just here last year, here's where it went wrong. And Matt Campbell can be that guy that gets them that win over Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I- I think he's done it twice. Now, it hasn't been an individual title game, but he's only been there once. But he's, I would say he's beaten Oklahoma twice. And we can talk about the fact that it was done earlier in the season. And we can talk about all these different things about why it happened. He has. They were pretty close last year in that Big 12 title game. They made mistakes at the end that cost them the game. I have said my, my question with Iowa State is, I think Oklahoma has another level or two to go to. How much higher of a ceiling does Iowa State have? I did not get to ask that question. I don't know. How, I don't know how close to their ceiling they were last year, and if they were they, if they were touching it, and Oklahoma continues to improve, that might not be that interesting. But if you can get a team who's faced Oklahoma there before and is able to go back again and do so again, having been in that spot and learned from it, especially with everything Iowa State has coming back, it does set up for a an interesting matchup and something we haven't seen since the Big 12 title game return. Because again, it's been a different team against Oklahoma every year so far and none of them have come back and none of them have been close to coming back since they got there if you look at TCU, Texas, and Baylor. Iowa State's the first one who has a legitimate shot at being a returner to face Oklahoma again. All right, I'm going to be honest. It's 5 o'clock. I've been doing this since (laughs) 8 and I am gassed. I'm out of energy and I have to go take care of a a two-and-a-half-year-old, a a one-year-old, and who knows what else we're going to be doing this evening. I do not envy you. I'm Um, going to catch up on the Delta Varia drinks that I should have been taking. There you go. There you go. So uh, I think we'll wrap here. Of course, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, We've got five more teams coming. Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, and Kansas. I am really intrigued to talk to Kansas. It's been a wild offseason for them. And I mean that from a football standpoint, not just like the all the nonsense with Les Miles. Um, I'm mildly intrigued. I'm intrigued by Texas Tech. I, I, that's, it, it feels like make a break year for Matt Wells. I'm curious what he looks like on the podium. And will we get an interesting head coach? Gary Patterson was good. He's always good. Gundy's usually pretty good. We haven't had a Tom Herman or a Les Miles yet. So we'll see if maybe tomorrow somebody shows up and presents us with a, oh, well, hello and welcome to the Big 12 moment. I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking it might be Sarky. Oh, Sark. Oh, I'm so interested. I'm oh, so intrigued. It's going to be fun. And you'll know all our thoughts about that tomorrow. Yeah. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at 10 to a podcast, T in the number 12 of our podcast. You can follow Christine there as well. At CB on sports. Uh, you can follow us on the gram at 10 to a pod. We had our live. We'll continue to put exclusive content and stories there from our time here in Arlington. And of course, we have this podcast now. Make sure you subscribe so you do not miss our follow-up podcast from day two. That should be out either late Thursday or early Friday. We'll just see how things go. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> make sure and subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Podcast Network.